Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. It is Jack and I here today. <coughs> oh, there goes my voice. I already losing my voice here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what it is, is all that smoke from uh, race cancellation is just getting to me. Yeah, it's drying out my throat. Uh, Jack, it is now the Thursday after the race cancellation. Uh, how are you doing? How did you cope with it? What's your plans going forward, dude? Yeah, well, um, I coped with it by just going out golfing that day instead. So I guess that was a pretty good day too. But uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise. Like when we woke up in the morning and could see that the air was like really bad, it was kind of like nobody was shocked at all. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much as it kind of sucks, like I feel like I handled it better than like I would have guessed um, just because in the past, if some, I remember one time there was another race that was canceled like in 2016 or 15, this, uh, escape series washington dc race because of flooding and i remember that being like i was way more disappointed for that for some reason um than this one it still sucks but um just kind of like refocus and and in terms of the training and stuff it doesn't really change much other than you can get back into training a couple days quicker because obviously you didn't do a race um so that was kind of the only real difference but for me it was about do i add another race and, you know, and, or do I just stick to the plan and, and not race again for another six weeks? Um, so I did sign up for Oregon 70.3, um, just as an option, but I leaning towards not doing it and just sort of getting in a good solid training block and seeing how that goes. I haven't done too many, like met, I haven't done very many at all kind of like races, like a races where I have a really nice long uninterrupted training block. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if I'm able to, to kind of find another gear and just get to that next level of fitness. If I do that, um, as long as I'm able to recover and not kind of go too far into the well. So it's, it's going to be a good opportunity to test that out. And uh, kind of sucks that I missed the, uh, I was still, I was already going to get to do that even with the race because it was going to be six weeks and, a 12 week period with only one race. So, um, that's kind of disappointing, but, and the other thing, the main thing is kind of just like, it would have been nice to, you know, get a paycheck and another podium had, I think I felt like I was really having a good chance for the win there where I was, I felt really good race week training was going well. And like, I think I was ready to have a good day, but I mean, so was everybody else. So, uh, just, you know, move on and try not to let it, affect you too much i think most people handled it pretty well especially because it would have been really dumb to race like it just the air was so bad and obviously if it was something else that you know that felt like we could have raced anyway it would have been a little bit more frustrating but yeah it was terrible conditions like you couldn't you literally couldn't see like from our airbnb across the lake like the trees across the lake were about 800 meters maybe a kilometer away and you couldn't see them at all at the worst point um so that's like pretty terrible um so yeah it was, it was a no-brainer decision for sure yeah there, there's no arguing the fact that that was 
the right call to make. I feel bad for people who like, there's a lot of age group athletes who that is their race. Like that's their, their big goal was that race. And they traveled like when it was announced, I was standing right next to uh, someone from, I think it was Connecticut. He had traveled all the way down there for the race. And this was his big race, his first one. So excited. And like, it's a beautiful course. It's a destination race. Right. Yeah. And he was just devastated. He was like on the verge of tears and kind of consoled him a bit. Like for me, it wasn't really that big of a deal that the race was canceled because the Wednesday before I wasn't even going to race. So I was like, well, you know, it's more forced rest. Um, and that's, that's totally fine. But yeah, I feel for them. So shout out to Ironman though. They did a great job, especially with the age group athletes for deferrals and rescheduling the race. So it won't be a pro race or it hasn't been announced as of yet. Anyways, that trauma 70.3 will be August 20th, the same day as the full in trauma. Um, as of right now, I, I really don't see it because, uh, like, I really don't see it being a pro race, but, uh, the, it's just the full race will be women, a women's only pro field for the full, but there will be a 70.3 and a full going off at the same time. That's going to be mayhem, but that's awesome. They get to reschedule it. And really it's just another, what, like, uh, two months until they get to come yeah. back and and do it again so at least it's in the same year and they don't have to wait a whole year to do it again yeah that's really great i didn't even know that but um that's awesome because like you said a lot of age group athletes they maybe do one half a year or just like you said might be their first especially if you're from quebec or somewhere in the states somewhat nearby there or eastern ontario um it could be kind of your best close option for like a really awesome 70.3 so uh yeah like for sure it's more it's more devastating for some people than you know me i get to race like six to ten times a year no problem and whatever i miss one no big deal so um that'll be cool interesting to see how that goes with uh the full and a half the same day but a lot of a lot of different venues have done that before i think it'll be fine and uh they'll they'll you know make do especially because i don't think you know to maybe only like half the people will choose to do that. Um, so it won't be like a crazy number, but yeah, yeah, they, they handle it well for sure. Uh, I got to give them credit on that. And uh, hopefully like even for the pros, they kind of sent an email out saying, if you want to sign up for a different race, even if it's past the registration deadline, like you're allowed to do that, just let us know ASAP. Um, so that was kind of a good accommodation for us too, but there wasn't a lot of options pro race wise that are like close by the, the kind of the closest one would be like, well, actually there were none that are close within a few weeks. They're all in Europe or Ecuador. So, um, kind of didn't make too much sense, but yeah, it's the way yeah. the cookie crumbles. Yep. I did find it funny that they're reallocating the slots for worlds to the races in Europe. <laughs> it's like just a totally group, different group of athletes that are going to get the extra extra world slots but um either way at least they're filling up the pro spots for the iron man 70.3 world champ so that's good um but something we really we did get to do was we got to do all the race prep getting ready for the race and that's the topic of today's podcast we're gonna talk about how to optimize your race performance before the start 
All right. Well, um, this well, is a, this is an interesting one because there's a lot of different. Like, if you talk to different athletes, it's a, I think there's a pretty good range of what people do. Um, like, for me, talking to a lot of other pros, I I find I end up being a little bit surprised how much they do. Um, that being said, you know, when people are training 30 hours a week, uh, even if you train 15 that week, that's not that much. Um, so kind of individual variance, but yeah, when it comes to the, the couple days before, um, I guess let's back up a bit and like talk about the taper. Well, if it's like a, let's just assume it's a pretty big race for you, a race or like a, you know, a really high priority race. Probably when, when would you say you want to start sort of tapering the trainer down a little bit? Um, I would say about 10 days out, you want to be done like your hardest, hardest training. That's what I find for me works well between like nine, 10 days out, you're kind of finishing up those big sessions. Um, and then you kind of slowly tapering down from there. What do you, what do you think in terms of, you know, your biggest sessions, when should they be done? So for, in terms of volume, I have my longest ride longest run two weeks out from the race that's kind of how i've always done it my last big hard session is usually about 10 days out as well maybe nine nine to ten days out and the weekend before is really like you're tapering down the volume it's not fully down yet but you're just kind of feeling those it's like the last kind of race pace intervals but you're not overreaching you know what i mean and um come that monday oh boy it is time to fully taper so um i guess i should probably like if if your standard long ride is say five hours then that weekend you're looking at maybe like a two-hour ride something like that the weekend before uh yeah. maybe two and a half something like that and uh yeah, I would, most athletes, if you're doing a 7.3, I would still cap it at two hours. Um, yeah, a week out, and, two hours. Yeah, yeah makes sense. and maybe 10K to 10 miles for that long run, keeping it, you know, you, you got to stay fresh still. Um, and then uh, then it's a hard taper. If it's a big race, I, I tend to taper pretty hard. Uh, starting that Monday, you have to say, we're saying, talking about like a Sunday race, so. Yeah, Mondays when uh, maybe easy swim, legs day off, and uh, kind of just roll into it. And then you're doing sharpening sessions. The big thing for the taper is you don't want to do too much, but you don't want to do nothing, right? And uh, that's actually Jack's line from right before we started record recording the podcast. So I sold that from yeah. him. But that's that's basically it, right? Um, nothing too long. I think my longest bike maybe 75 minutes, 90 minutes max that week. And this yeah. is coming from like, I, I'm not a huge volume guy, but like, you know, I like to do 25 hours in a week. So my week that week is probably 10 hours. Maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Probably half, It's probably about half volume. If you include the hours of the race is pretty, is pretty decent as a, as a metric, but yeah, so similar for me. I mean, for Trom law wasn't, a super high priority race for me. Um, so I was kind of doing a little bit more, like I did about a two hour ride on the Monday and then, you know, maybe it was like a 50 minute run instead of a 35, 40 minute run the next day. But, but yeah, you want to definitely taper down and then do a little bit of intervals at race pace. 
but not very long, like, you know, a couple minutes and then maybe like a couple of really short intervals that are above race pace, but not like sprinting. Um, and then hopefully it starts to feel pretty fresh. And then you're starting to get into the days where you're traveling. Um, so a lot of people for a Sunday race will travel either. Most people will probably travel Friday, some people Thursday. Um, and so, yeah, if you're flying, you know, most people fly out probably that Thursday, right? For a Sunday yeah. race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just depends uh, one thing, how close you are and, or if you can drive just, there or not. Yeah. And just to be specific with what Jack's saying is, um, like you're getting in one short quality swim, one short quality bike, one short quality run with so like when we say quality it means there's a bit of intensity in that before that Thursday travel day and that Thursday travel day or Friday travel day, you can mix, mix and match, but that's like, let's just say Thursday travel. Like for us, we would recommend traveling on the Thursday. I always travel on the Thursday for a Sunday race and that way I might do an easy swim that morning. Usually it's a day off just because the logistics of traveling and then the Friday get in and might do a couple pickups on everything. And then yeah, Saturdays where I, I might do a couple pickups on the swim and then just make sure the bike's working well. And I don't run, don't run on the, the day before the race, but what about you, Jack? Yeah, similar. I, I typically always do the Thursday travel. Um, if it's convenient, I, I might not take that Thursday completely off, but oftentimes I will. And then, um, then yeah, it's just a mix of pickups and, and mostly just easy recovery on the Friday, Saturday, but definitely doing probably a swim both days, a run on the Friday and maybe like a tiny, tiny run on the Saturday. Um, but really short, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes max kind of thing. And then the bike I'll probably do, a little bit of a longer run, like 30 minutes on the Friday. And then just a, a tiny little 20 minute to make sure the bike's working well kind of thing on the Saturday, a couple pickups and that's about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to, so in terms of what Garrick mentioned about you, you want to do some training. Well, he stole from me. You want to do some training, but not too much, but not nothing. So the way I learned that was in high school when I qualified for OFSA cross country in the 10th grade, and the qualifying meet was 10 days out from the race from OFSA and I qualified and then I didn't do a single run between then and OFSA and uh, uh didn't go very well I mean it was not yeah it wasn't pretty so so that's where I learned yeah you can't just not run at all for 10 straight days probably would have been good to try to do a little bit of a decent workout seven days out and a couple pickups and stuff three to five days out uh, and, you know, at least running like every other day or something. But in any case, learn that lesson um, that time. But, uh, but I was back before I knew really anything about training. So no surprises there. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, you know, side note, but that I found the 10 days between the OFSA qualifier and OFSA. I, I always ran horrible at OFSA just because I could never figure out that, 10 day window but i was also always peaking for qualifiers because i had to qualify as an individual because uh my team sucked well oh, yeah me too i yeah. didn't really have i don't even think we had a team i think it was just there wasn't enough of us yeah but uh anyways so that's that's different that's not applicable to you guys we should say that like we're talking pretty specifically for like 
people doing, you know, you're doing like, this is someone going probably doing a half Ironman an Ironman. Um, or maybe it's your first Olympic. This is kind of that idea. Um, yeah. Of taper. That's what we're talking about. But let's talk about like, when you say you're doing an Ironman event, there's a lot of logistics that goes on that day before the race. And um, a lot of people just fry themselves because there's packet pickup, there's the briefing, there's um, the bike check-in, the run check-in, like all this stuff that you have to do. You have to get to transition and um, walk. The, the briefing's usually outside for the for the age group athletes at the, the stage. Um, you want to check out, you know, there's a, usually a slot for when you can swim. So let, let's walk through how we recommend to handle that day. Yeah. Well, it depends a lot on the venue. If it's a two transition race is a lot more difficult. Um, cause usually you got to go to two different spots, drop your stuff, everything like that. Um, the main thing that I would say is like, don't be crazy stressed out about getting your exact training. Like that's not really that important the day before the race, as long as you get, something in where you're moving a little bit even if you don't you're you're rested you're ready it's not going to make that big of a difference um so mainly trying to stay like as relaxed as you can try not to be out in the sun walking around like don't spend three hours in the expo the day before the race ideally if you want to have a good race um if your meeting's outside like you know usually it's hot try to you know stay out of the sun if you can wear sunscreen all those things and I like if I do have to be walking around a fair bit, I like wearing compression socks just to even if it doesn't do much, it just mentally makes me feel like I'm recovering better. Um, little things like that, but definitely try to have a plan, a good plan of what your day is going to be before you kind of go after it and say, OK, here's the things we really got to do. Bike drop by this time, you know, meetings at this time. Maybe you can do them both at the same time to kind of make it easier um and then yeah if you can easily fit your training in around that your little bits of training without adding too much stress definitely go for that and then yeah try try to just rest as much as you can really um like the the fun sort of party after the race and all those things just leave all that leave all that for after the race try to stay relaxed before the race i like to we like to watch stupid tv shows that are low stress like trailer park boys or something else so it just keeps your mind off of uh you know you don't want to be watching some intense horror movie some people find those relaxing which is kind of nuts but um <laughs> yeah some some people love true crime also which is uh they find it relaxing for for some reason but um but yeah so Usually, you know, if you are getting in on that Thursday and it's convenient for you to go pick up your packet on the Friday, maybe do that because then you can get all the stickers on your bike and everything um, the night before. And then you can just wake up in the morning the next day, not set an alarm, just have a good sleep in, take the bike for a quick little spin, make sure it's all working. Then you can head down to the venue um, and assuming the swim is in the same spot as uh, the venue. If you choose to swim that day, then you can get your swim done, your bike checked in and the, the race briefing all done at once. Make sure uh, you're bringing some, a carb drink with you with some snacks, 
when you're out and you're, you're constantly eating and, and drinking as well and replenishing, even if your swims five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, make sure you get in like a good carb drink after that. Uh, and you know, a good, good snack with a bit of protein and, uh, yeah, stay out of the sun, stay off your feet. Maybe don't walk the expo. This is for, uh, the Friday and the Saturday as well. Don't spend three hours at the expo. You know, you should have all your gear by then. So if you want to just take a quick look around, maybe do a loop, see what's happening. Um, you know, if there's any deals or something that maybe you want, go for it, get it, but really try to limit your time there. And yeah, stay in the shade, stay off your feet. And I like to have everything wrapped up uh, by two o'clock. Usually like I, the briefing's always the last thing I do that day before I head to my hotel room. And, uh, a lot of times I actually eat at my hotel too, in, in my hotel room. So I don't have to leave and I just, yeah, sit and chill and eat and eat and, uh, yeah. eat. lots of carbs. Jack, yeah. Do you have any secrets for, um, eating before the race and getting in enough carbs, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to try to start loading up a little bit more two days out kind of thing, like Friday and Saturday. Um, but yeah, just whatever, whatever foods sit well with you, like rice, pasta, whatever it is, just have a little bit more than what you're used to. And then also during the day, if you're drinking to stay hydrated, it's pretty easy to make that a sport drink or even like juice or something that has carbs in it. Um, and that'll just top up your carbs as well. And yeah, really good point you made there about getting a really good sleep if you can on the Friday night, just because. You're never going to sleep that well the night before the race. Even if you fall asleep right away, you're waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m. So, um, but that's not something to be stressed about. Like I've heard a lot of people, you know, race morning, like, oh, I barely slept last night. Like I'm worried about it. Like, don't be worried about that. It, it does not matter. Nobody slept well. And one bad sleep isn't actually going to impact your body that much as long as you've done a good job of trying to sleep well in the week leading up to the race. Um, so yeah, that's the one thing that I learned like early in my triathlon days, I'd be always worried about that. And then once I sort of let it go and didn't care that much, like you still go to bed as early as you can and try to sleep, but any sleep is basically bonus sleep the night before the race. So if you take that pressure off, you'll probably sleep better too. Um, yeah. I also find that I'm so loaded with sleep at that point that like, I don't even, not even tired. So I, it's like, you know, I've loaded up, like I've loaded up on carbs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then for race morning, I like to wake up. I like to try to eat about three hours before the race. Um, so oftentimes I'll wake up, eat, and then, uh, I'll try to get a little bit of protein in like 10 to 15 grams, but mostly just a lot of carbs and so i'll have like one egg maybe a little bit of protein powder and then a bunch of bread and sometimes even a gel or two just to top it up and with some juice or something and for that i try to get at least 100 grams of carbs and then usually if i'm done eating around three hours before the race i still have lots of time before i have to head down and i'll go back to bed and lie down again and get more rest um but yeah that just helps to have a pretty good calm stomach when the race comes and then I'll have a, a gel about 30 minutes before and, and just obviously drinking a little bit of water and 
sport drink in the morning too. And that seems to work for me, but, um, and then, yeah, the night before the race, Garrick mentioned, usually he'll eat at his hotel or Airbnb. I pretty much always do that. I never want to go out for dinner. Like you just, you, for me, it's just like taking a risk. You don't know exactly what ingredients they are using or if they have used a ton of salt or not enough or whatever. Like, even if you have to, in a hotel, I'll do like microwave rice and, uh, whatever, like sometimes I'll have a hot plate and I'll just do eggs or chicken. Or if I don't have any of that, then it's sometimes it's just basic, like a protein shake, bunch of rice, and usually no vegetables, just keeping it really simple the night before, um, seems to work for me. So basically what you're saying is don't overthink it and don't stuff yourself to the point where you can barely walk, just like gradually (laughs) increase the carbs, the days leading into it. Yeah, that's the, for sure. That's better than like the night before being like, Oh, I haven't eaten enough the last couple of days. I've been busy. I better eat a gigantic meal. And then, yeah, your body's not going to respond well to that. Um, so keeping it gradual yeah. and not freaking out too much. Like you don't need to do anything ridiculous. Like just, yeah, a little bit more than usual. And then as long as you take stuff in morning of and during the race, you'll be fine. And um, yeah, in the morning too, there's a few different ways to go about it. Like Jack said, he he goes back to the rice and, and the egg. And, but some people haven't been doing this sport for for as long as us and you know if they only race a couple times they get really nervous and their nerves go to their stomach so it's okay in the morning to stick to um liquid carbs like just eat just do liquid in the morning and still try you know still try to get in those 100 grams like jack said and if you can get a little bit of protein in to keep you from being hungry that's that's good too um you know there's some athletes i've worked with and that's really it's been years and that's all we can do and that that's fine you're still getting the carbs in and and you're hydrating and that it is what it is right like don't don't force it keep it simple and definitely if you're a coffee drinker have your normal coffee like do whatever's pretty basic for you um pretty normal uh nick likes to do applesauce only for his carbs so he'll eat like twenty thousand grams of applesauce or whatever it is (laughs) Um, it's quite astonishing it is quite astonishing i like can't believe that that is it's super easy on his stomach so you know if you're having trouble with solid foods maybe that's like a medium solid liquidish thing that you could try try it in training though i would say um yeah see if it works and then but yeah your applesauce you're pretty much drinking it so that's a decent option some people like to eat ice cream the night before the race i think it's like sky Monch eats like ice cream only for dinner the night before the race which is kind of interesting but it works for her so um tons of different ways to do it but the 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 main thing is no matter what way you do it you got to get the carbs in um and that's gonna be the key yeah and i jack says he gets up about three hours before or he likes to eat three hours before the race i am different i i don't even get up three hours before the race and i like to eat a little closer to the race because one thing i can't stand is feeling hungry at the start of a race or even during the swim if i feel hungry i get kind of crampy so i like to to feel like i have food in my stomach um but that's just that's taken me years to get there because i used to not eat before a race and still puke but over the years i've gotten a little better so you'll find out what works for you um 
And like I said, like just Jack and I talking, you see there's a huge range between me, him, and Nick. So, um, okay, so it's now we ate our breakfast and we are heading down to the race start. Our bike's already there, um, but we got our run bag with us. What are you doing, Jack? What time are you getting the transition uh, before mm-hmm. the race? And what are you doing in transition? You got to walk half a mile to the swim start. So what's going on? Yeah, I like to get to transition at least an hour before the race starts. Um, so that'll allow me, even if things go super slow and somehow it takes me like 40 minutes, I would still make it to the start. So that allows enough time where if I had a flat or something crazy, um, I'd be able to get a hold of a mechanic to give me a hand and, and figure that out. But hopefully everything goes smooth. So get there, usually wipe my bike down because a lot of times there's like dew or, and this, in the case of Mont there was ash on our bikes um, and a bunch of dead uh, moths. So that was weird. But anyway, clean the bike off a bit, just uh, make sure that it's shifting. So like kind of do a couple shifts, make sure the battery didn't die or something weird and then put it in the proper gear and then pump the tires. Usually I'll have a pump with me and uh make sure to put the nutrition in those bottles and uh yeah get the helmet situated the but the run gear if if that's a single transition race you kind of go through mentally like how are you going to be running out how are you going to be running in so you know like where am i grabbing my run bag like we usually get to put our stuff on the ground that's not always the case for age group um but oftentimes it might be so just make sure that mentally you're kind of prepared for when you get out of the swim okay which way am I going to be grabbing my helmet putting the helmet on which way am I running out I'm not going to like knock my running shoes or anything um and then the same thing when you're coming back in racking your bike then you know okay what side of my bike am I going to be standing on that's where my shoes should be um so it's just a little bit more a little bit easier and then yeah you got your run shoes I wear socks um gels and obviously race belt and then sunglasses and or hat depending what you like to do and uh yeah just the main thing with the transition just making sure that it's not a surprise where your bike is too like oh you know i'm gonna be running in for the swim how am i gonna determine where my bike is because it all looks the same when you're running out and if you haven't made a mental note of you know a way to remember where it is um even, even going through it once, like go through transition, walk through it and actually go through those motions so that when you do it in the race, you're not think you're not trying to think of, Oh, how am I going to find my bike? It's already automatic. It's in your head. And then it's just so much less stressful. Um, even if you're not trying to go crazy fast, it's just nice to not have extra things that can go wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, big thing is, you know, if there's 4,000 bikes, find out, find some landmarks somewhere, how you're going to find your bike so that you're not, unless you're last out of the water and first off the bike, it's going to be hard to find your spot. So, um, yeah, do that, find those landmarks. Those are the big things. And when you're in transition, don't panic, just relax or this is later, but this is pre-race. Yeah. So you're, everyone's there everyone's nervous just breathe they're all in the same boat guys just just relax and um set your stuff up time flies that morning so get 
what you need, put your gels on your bike, get your run stuff out. Like you said, just make sure you have that checklist. Everything's there. Okay. Now I'm not going to spend too much time in transition on my feet here. I'm going to head down to the swim start, start getting ready because that gun goes off a lot sooner than you think an hour flies by for sure. And the worst case scenario, if you're early and you can, you know, just get your wetsuit half on or whatever, and just take a seat and, and relax for a few minutes. That's totally fine too. Um, better than being scrambling and rushed and, and uh, you know, being late. So the good thing is nowadays with the uh, most of the time you have the rolling start. So that's really helpful for age groupers where if something does go catastrophically wrong and you are late, well, it doesn't really matter because you're just going to start later than you would have wanted. Um, so that's a little bit of a safety net. I know my dad and sister were a little bit later than they wanted for their race, but it didn't end up kind of derailing their day at all. So that's a nice, a nice little bonus with that, uh, with that rolling start, but you do want to be there at the proper time. So you can start with your appropriate speed, ideally. Yeah. And, um, head down to the start line. Maybe it's time to take your last gel. Uh, maybe don't forget gel. Don't forget that the porta potty lines are usually pretty significant. So make sure you know that that could be like 20 minutes potentially because everybody's trying to get in there and get their body glide on and do their last bit of business before, uh, before the race. There's, there's always, always a lineup just pretty much no matter what. Yeah, that's true. There's always a lineup and you have no idea how disgusting the porta potties are because it's always dark. So, um, <laughs> Maybe it's not a bad idea to bring your own toilet paper sometime. You never know. Uh, I found the last couple of Ironman races I've been to, they've had more than enough porta potties at the swim start, and um, people have kind of just been rolling through and hasn't been that long of a lineup. But definitely factor that in and make sure that, yeah, you got time for the porta potties. But now it's uh, you're heading down the start line. High five, everybody. Maybe. Give your support crew the last hugs and uh, let them know you'll see them on the other side. Head down to the start and away she goes. Yeah. And, uh, Once you're yeah. in the race, it just all, as soon as the start, I feel like everyone's so nervous until literally the very start. And then like maybe the first minute of the race. And then you're like, okay, now I'm just doing what I've done a million times in training. And so it's, uh, it's much less nervous as soon as you start in case you haven't really done one of these. Yeah. I find the the start leading up to the race is, is the hardest part that and like the last 5k of the run, but that's yeah. like the hardest part of the race, you know? So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So those are tips for pre-race. Uh, we're not going to go through the full race and, and after the race that we'll save that for another time. But, um, I guess next for you, Jack, is uh US Open. Are you are you qualified for that? Yep, I got the qualification auto qualification by one spot because the top 26 auto qualified and I was 25th. So that's nice to not have to wait around for a roll down. And uh yeah, I've got it all booked, ready to go. Hopefully our boy Mark Dubert gets in as well as a wild card, which I do believe he will with having one. Alcatraz and having had a pretty solid day at St. George as well helps. Um, so that'd be great if that's the case. He's from Chicago, so he knows the Milwaukee area a little bit and 
connections and whatnot. It's always good to tra- it's always good to travel with a buddy. I find just to make things a little bit more laid back. Um, but yeah, that'll be next for me. And then going to Pont Romo in France for an altitude camp before uh, 70.3 Worlds in Finland. And hopefully, Mark is going to come for all that as well. Um, so we'll we'll have a little bit of a you know a one month hangout block there for three weeks. Uh, and then we'll be training with Joe Skipper. So that'll be, that'll be fun. But yeah. how about you? Are you oh, going to do Oregon? Uh, no, I'm going to do Maine. So we made the decision just with my calf. Um, I haven't been really getting any running in. So we figured if we're going to put my name on a start line, let's try to get five weeks of um, healthy running in. If that doesn't go well, then, you know, we're in the same boat. So we will get the MRI done, um, see what's going on. But just the financial just the time and, and financial cost is, is more to just do Maine. I originally planned Oregon and Maine, but Maine's in almost the same time zone. So that's a lot easier. Um, but excited for that. So my name's on the start line, trying to find accommodations though. It is crazy expensive. Um, Maybe you got to take the and, van. Uh, yeah. There's no Airbnbs. Actually, it's not a bad idea. That didn't even cross my mind. Um, I'm a genius. Yeah. Um, probably, it's a bit of a long probably, drive, though. Yeah. I, the flights are actually really cheap. Flights out of Detroit are like 200 bucks. Yeah. That's less than what so, gas would cost you. I know. And I, if I, so when I was looking at gas or not gas, uh, flight and rental cars cheaper than what the gas would cost me to drive there. So especially diesel if I took the van. Yeah, but then once you take accommodation into account, if you can like park at a freaking Walmart or something. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Doing a pro seventy point three race parked in the Walmart. Do you have AC in that van? No, that could be tough. Well, I mean, yeah. nighttime though, it's not. It's usually like not that hot in the evenings. I think it'd be fine if you have a nice fan. Yeah, the night times are usually good because we have a fan. The intake, we have an intake and outtake fan. And uh, the intake fan is directly above the bed. So we've, we've actually never had a night where we've been like roasting in the van. Yeah, that's good. That's probably really good. But yeah, that'd be fun. And then van life, you can do a van life uh, race weekend video and get 20 million YouTube views. Yeah, exactly. It would probably get something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in any case, good luck there. You're going to be, well, we'll talk to you a million times for that, but that's the week before. Uh, that's actually only five days before uh, U.S. Open because the men race on a Friday evening for U.S. Open. Wow. So that's, that, that means hopefully everyone's going to be tired from having raced Oregon and flown all the way to Maine. And a bunch of the top guys won't even be there. So might be a good race to have uh, get a little payday. Starts at four o'clock, so it's probably gonna be like 35 Celsius or something stupid. It'll be like the hottest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. But now I have a sauna. So game changer in terms of heat prep. Yeah, how are you implementing that? I've I use a sauna at the gym, I get about an hour in a week. Yeah, I, um, since it's like right there, I've been, if we've only had it hooked up for like less than a week, uh, but I'm definitely going to be 
adding it in like kind of at the end of the day after the last session for most day for most probably yeah most days at least like kind of three four days a week minimum and then possibly five i probably won't go in or at least won't put it you know won't go in at like a really high temperature um on the recovery days just because it is a bit of a stress on the body for sure um so i'll try not to do that too much but it'll be interesting to see i like to go in I like to try to be in for 20 minutes total. So, you know, I'll go in for whatever I can stand it for. It's freaking hot because it's a big heater and not a very big sauna. So it gets hot quick. Um, so I'll go in for like 12, 14 minutes, get out, let my body cool off and then go back in for another few minutes. But, uh, but yeah, it's been cool. We'll see. I mean, they say that heat, you know, sauna or like passive heat, sort of acclimation has performance benefits, even if your race isn't hot, um, just increases your blood plasma, which essentially can help you. Um, it just, it can, it can help with like transporting red blood cells more efficiently because you've got more blood volume. Um, that's the theory anyway, but we'll see how it feels. And, you know, I don't want it to take away from recovery. So that's like kind of the main concern. Yeah. Um, I think I read the threshold. I was reading a study somewhere in, in one study and it was saying the threshold is about 57 minutes a week is what you want to shoot for. Okay. So that's obviously like oddly specific, but that's kind of what they did in the study. So, um, all right, well, I should be able to at least get that, especially with it being, you know, uh, really right here, but but yeah, I think yeah. the main thing is just getting your core temperature up. Like you can tell, like when your core temperature gets really high, it, uh, you just, your heart rate's really high. Like I'll wear my watch and my heart rate got up to like 120, um, just sitting in there. Oh, so yeah. obviously, obviously, you know, that's over double my resting heart rate. So your body's really, it's really working to try to keep you cool. And then I'm just sweating a stupid amount. Like Nick, Nick went in the other day with me before, you know, I had to drive him to the airport and like, I literally, I think I produced like five times as much sweat as him. It's crazy. Like, I don't understand how it's possible. And then he's like, yeah, it's not that bad. And I'm like, I guess you live in freaking Utah and you're used to this, but maybe I'll, yeah. uh, I'll reduce once I, I'm more used to it. I'm the same way. I'm in the sauna at, at the gym and I'm just like sweating buckets and there's people there just like they get up and there's not even like a wet spot around where they're sitting. And I'm like, what the heck? And they're in like full clothing and stuff. And it's the gym sauna is 165 to 170 Fahrenheit. So it's pretty hot. Today I did uh, 18 minutes and, and I maxed out at 135 heart rate. So Oof. I was pretty much done. But you know, when your core temperature gets up, you want to do nothing but get out of there. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. But yeah. Uh, yeah, 135, that's impressive. It'll be, uh, I, I would, next time I might try taking my um, thermometer in, like body temperature thermometer in and checking my temperature as we go. Because when I used to do hot baths, I would do that. And it would get up, like, I would be at 36 to 36.5 before I started. And it would get up to like 38, sometimes 38.5. Um, so it definitely works. Um, but in any case. We'll see yeah. if anything else is just a beautiful freaking sauna. Like I got a good deal on it and it's one of those barrel saunas. It's just like a nice oh, old nice. unit. Very nice. Yeah. 
Oh, look who's here. Um, Nicholas Chase has joined us. Just in time oh, for us to pretty just much in time be done. To, to wrap it up. Well. Oh, I'm here. Uh, there he is. Okay, Nick, how was your swim after that bike ride? It was actually not too bad. Um, didn't cramp up, and but I only did 3K. I didn't make it the full four. I think I just got a little just over it. Yeah. Well, my stuff then I had to go pick up a awesome sponsorship check from one of our newest people to come on board and give us some love. Sweet. Can we announce that? Who who is it? <clears throat> it's a it's a, it's an athlete that I coach who loves what we do. He owns his own company. It's called Lumi. And he, I guess I've never had this problem, but Workday is this way. I guess large companies organize their Workday. And I guess it's a pain in the butt. So he does Workday kind of client management to help them work with Workday. And it seems to be crushing it. Um, but he's just, just a super amazing, nice guy. And he, he's helping us out a ton. Beauty. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Lumi. Talk we talked about how to prepare for race day during your race week when you're at the race, different things, how to how to kind of get there as prepared as you can be. And then we started talking about what we're doing for races. And then we were talking about saunas. And then I was saying how we both went in the sauna and you sweat like three drops. And I was like a fucking river. Um, that was true. I think speaking of races, I've got a little bug up my keister to sign up for seven Ironman Montremblant and go give her hell. It's a women's only race this year. A women's pro race only. God damn it. I know. I wanted to do it too. It was like the perfect date. Like if there's no, are there any other fulls in August? Yeah. Uh, Ironman Canada. But that's early August, right? Nope, it's the weekend after Trombla. That's yeah, the same. it's the week. It's the same day as Worlds, so I can't do that. Well, they also rescheduled the seventy point three to be the same day as the full, so maybe there'll be a pro race there. Who knows? None of us. I mean, I was like so stoked on that. Forget it. Sucks. Well, there's Ironman Maryland in September. Yeah, I don't want to do that one that bad. I'd rather do Israel because <laughs> it seems kind of new. Yeah, you want to oh, go yeah. to Ironman Israel, Garrett? Uh, no. Oh, okay. That that's really far. When is it? Um, uh, it is. When is it? The oh, I forget. It is the eleven November third. Yeah, November third. The other one. The same, I... the same as Florida. Same weekend as Florida. Yeah, yeah. Same, well, yeah, same weekend. The other one I was really looking into was Ironman Portugal. That's two weeks before. But the Israel, you can fly direct to Israel from Toronto. Yeah, that's a freaking gem. Yeah, so it would be Jack, really cool to go to Israel too. But Jack, uh, did, did you notice the whole drive back from Montremblant? We didn't turn on the radio or listen to music or do anything at all. That most of the time it was just silence and then random discussion of what the hell we're going to do next. It was like such a mental unpack session. I don't think we listened to music on the way there either. You know, I cranked it a little bit of music in the background, just some like techno for a little while. That's about it. 
Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. So when you're yeah. when you're in good company, you don't need music. You can just talk. Yeah, that's why I, when Mike Hay drove us, I didn't even remember the drive. Yeah, that's a good old boy. Shout out to Mike Hay for lending us his van for the trip where we didn't end up racing, but in any case, he's a good good fella. I talked I when I went and dropped the van off, he was like more disappointed about the race not happening than I was. He's just like, man, I was ready to track you guys. I knew you're gonna have a great race. I'm so disappointed. So yeah. Love that guy. Uh, good fella. I uh I let Morgan drive Uh-oh. for the first time in like forever. And she almost got the truck impounded. Oh my was, god. Uh, she came up on a cop. She was doing 140 and an 80. Oh Christ. Did she get oh, a ticket? No, the cop wasn't even paying attention. He like, I don't know what he was doing, but he had to change lanes because his lane was ending and he almost drove off the road. So he didn't see her coming, but thankfully. Well, I remember one time on the way back from New York City drive, she's doing like 150 in the old Mercury. I'm like, um, <laughs> is this a drag race? <laughs> she would, to be fair, she was passing like a row of cars, but yeah, it was, um, it was quite something. <laughs> it was really funny. She's like, she's a good driver, but she gets really angry at other people driving. <laughs> Sounds like everybody. Sounds like yeah. me. <laughs> so, well, in any case, all right, boys. We probably wrap well, this old bitch up. Yeah, we can wrap this up. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Until next time. Peace. Out. 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 Friggin' out. I got ish to do, flying through the sky in my parachute, dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.